Reagan has a great mom, and Reagan is in mom training right now. See, you're actually training. In, in the process of being a son, you're actually, sonship is training for fatherhood. And the same with daughters. As you're a daughter, your daughterhood is training for motherhood. And so in raising children, you're equipping them, you're always equipping them for the next stage. Not just, not just being responsive of where they are at now, but you're actually supposed to be training them for what they are about to come into. And as long as you keep the vision of, their, of where they are at on the next level, they will be prepared for the level and the stage that they are in. Um, so I just appreciate my wife uh, and Kathy and my mom. Just It's been such a... It's really interesting because uh, not only have they been mothers in our life, but we have seen them um, develop other people who did not have a mom or someone in their life who was able to see past where that person was at at that moment of their life. Do you see what I'm saying? Is that sometimes we get so worried about where we're at now, we forget where we are now, where it's going to be going to. And so moms like that can paint a picture and say, hey, look, that's where you're going. This is where you are now. How do you get there the best way? And so I just appreciate that. I just thank you for setting the vision higher than sometimes what we see. Um, amen. Amen. Um, I just have a little story I wanted to start off with. There were two guys working for the city. One would dig a hole. He would dig, dig, dig. The other would come behind him and fill the hole. Fill, fill, fill. These two men worked furiously, one digging a hole, the other filling it up. A man was watching from the sidewalk and couldn't believe how hard these men were working. But he couldn't understand what they were doing. Finally, he had to ask them. He said to the hole digger, I appreciate how hard you work, but what are you doing? You dig a hole and your partner comes behind you and fills it up again. The hole digger replied, oh yeah, it must look funny, but the guy who plants the trees is sick today. You know, it's really, it's really important to know your role in the body of Christ. And you know, every joint supplies. Every one of you have a place in the body of Christ where we are, we are linked together and we are a family. Do you know the very first institution or very first relationship that was ever formed was God the Father and Adam and Eve. They were, they were his dad in the garden. And so this is a building. We have people in it. But you know what? Do you know you didn't join here? It's like when people come in here, you're family to us. Like you are our brothers and sisters. That's why it's, that's why we honor like, you know, Althea and Paula that they aren't biological grandmothers, but we actually see what we're doing. Hey. We actually see that they are putting, they are sowing a faith sowing into her life. Do you know that there are people that have sown into your life? They actually have become, in some cases, you guys, some of you know this, where they actually become more of a picture of what a mom and dad is, more than in some cases your biological mom and dad. And I see that when, when parents are able to even if they're not biological, they're able to place a vision in that person, even if it's not their son or their daughter. And so what happens is, is we, live, we live in a culture where people are like, well, you're only, you're only my, my daughter or son if you do, you know, you know, if you just sit here and you got, you got to follow me. But there actually comes a place where the father says, hey, you know what? You're going to be my son. 
And the mom says, you're going to be my daughter, and actually steps in line. They actually intervene and say, hey, come and follow me. They actually place that. They actually become that. And I'm so excited to see a generation that it's, it's, they're taking initiative and they're actually stepping out in faith to where that person might not be their son or daughter yet, but they are speaking those things even though they're not as though they are. Amen? Amen. Amen. We've been talking about a kingdom of honor and today I actually wanted to talk about stewarding honor because um, there was a... They did a video a while back where they went, uh, some people went around and asked people what your definition of honor is. What, when you hear the word honor, what do you think? And, and a lot of people had it really close. A lot of people were, uh, oh, that means that, you know, you're esteeming a person or, or you are, you know, it's kind of like you're bowing down before the person. But honor is something that it's, it's actually where two people know to how to empower each other equally. And so honor is not just me esteeming my parents, but honor is the reflection of not only me esteeming them, but them esteeming me at the same time. That as, that I, as, as I am honoring them, their honor, as I glorify, if I reflect my father, he glorifies me. Do you guys know that? That the Father does not just want you to glorify Him because He needs glory and He's like glory hungry. He actually intends to glorify His creation. And, you know, it's, uh, it's believed that Albert Einstein said this. He said that everyone is a genius, but if you try to tell or if you try to, um, to, to get a fish to climb a tree, he will, he will wonder his whole life why he's dumb. And basically, a lot of people don't think who they are is who they are. You know, you're a child of God first and foremost. Do you know, you, do you know that when you were born again, it's because He conceived you. You were His thought. You were not your own thought, and then after you said, Lord, come into my life, he's like, you know, okay, that's good, yeah, come on in. No, before you were ever born again, it was the thought and the intention of the Father that conceived in the bride that bore a child, and then you were born. You were born again. You guys here? You guys here with me? I, um, and so... I love when I see people who are intentionalizing raising the next generation. They're not just saying, man, I, I really hope that you do better than I did. But they actually say, hey, you know what? We're going to do this and we're going to do this together. And the family glorifies each other. Amen? You know, fathers, and, and I'm, learning, I'm, I'm learning this from an example that, that the glory of the family in where I'm at you know, I have an awesome daughter, but I thought she was awesome a long time ago. Like, I knew when I was a teenager, I was going to have amazing kids. I just knew that. Like, and the reason why I knew that is because my parents told me I was amazing. So when they told me I was amazing, I thought, you know what? If I'm amazing, then I'm probably going to make amazing. And so... I never thought, like, the amazingness of her was never accidental. It was totally on purpose. And your purpose is totally on purpose. It's not an accident. And so what the devil is, the devil is the accuser of the who? The brethren. He is accusing who is your dad. He's accusing the awesomeness of you. You really are amazing, and the reason why you're amazing is because you have an amazing dad. And guess what? It's genetic. And so what I love to see is, is I, I, was, I was in Aldi the other day, and me and Regan, we go shopping, and we're, we're getting groceries and stuff, and, and she's just, and she's, she's so happy. She's all smiling. But guess the reason why she's smiling and happy is because we, we are 
we are happy. We are happy people. We made the choice, and we say we are. We are. It was. It was a sacrifice at first, but not. It's not a sacrifice anymore. And so we're we're pushing around, and we get to the checkout, and the lady's like, "Wow, your baby is so happy." And I was like, "Well, she's like this all the time." She goes, "You got lucky." And I said, "Nope." <laughs> I said, "I made her this way." And she looked at me like, what? I said, you make your child who they are. Do you know, when your child is in the beginning stages of their life, you're actually developing their spirit. You know that? Then when they start to get older, they are developing their soul. You know that? And then when they get older, it's when the body comes. Okay? What happens is, if you don't intentionalize building up and creating their spirit... When they get older and they're doing, they're working on their mind, their will, and emotions, the, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, who knows the thoughts of a man but the spirit of the man? You know, my thought is what tells my mind or my will or my emotion what to do, and then my mind, my will, and emotion transmit it to my body, and then I act. So... In those beginning stages, I'm, I'm just seeing, you know, I am training and I am forming. We're actually forming her spirit that when her mind and her will and her emotions start to be engaged in the process, her spirit is going to be responsive to what we formed it to be. You know, you were made in his image and in his likeness. The, the, uh, yeah, image. You know what image is? Image is the image. It's the It's the form. But you know the word likeness means it's the word psyche. You were, you were made with God's formation, but you were also made with his thoughts. So when Adam sinned, he lost God thoughts. And he took on devil thoughts. He took on the thoughts of another father. And see, when Jesus came back and Jesus died for you, he restored God thought to you. Do you know, write this down if you want to, but the Son of God became the Son of Man so the sons of men could become the Son of God. You guys are sons of God. You're daughters of God. You're royalty. Do not let the accuser tell you differently. Do not let what you are facing create their identity. Your identity creates your environment. It does not happen the other way around. And what happens is, is when the body of Christ becomes, starts to become reactive to the environment rather than declarative, you forfeit your place of rulership. You forfeit your ability to make a difference because all you're doing is you're trying to fight the echo rather than be the voice. You guys getting that? You guys okay? All right. I love you guys. You guys are, you guys are good. Um, I actually wanted to do something today. Um, I wanted to um, um, I wanted to have us get together in groups, and I wanted to have us pray over each other. But here's what I wanted to do: I wanted to have some some body ministry. Um, and here's what I Here's what I heard the Holy Spirit say, and he said, David, I want the people of God, my people, you guys, to know how much a part of the solution you are. Do you know how many times we place the responsibility to fix problems on other people? But do you know the word blameless? You know we're called to be blameless? You know what blameless is? What happened when Adam and Eve ate? The, fir- the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is blame. Did you eat the tree? She made me do it. Eve, did you eat the tree? Sake made me do it. See, I know if you're eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, if you're always blaming other people for your condition. The cross re-empowers your ability to be the game changer in your life. Do you know when God, you know your spirit is reborn. Your spirit doesn't get saved. You know that. Your spirit doesn't get saved. Your soul gets saved. 
Why? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Why does your soul need to be saved? Because your soul is opposing this world. Your soul is drawing from this world, but we're supposed to be drawing from His world. And see, what happens is the Holy Spirit needs to be speaking to you, and He is restoring my soul. The psalmists say, He restores my soul. But as we're, we gather things around us, we start to get worried, and we start, we start reacting to storms rather than calming them. And here's what I wanted to do this morning. I wanted us to stand up, and I wanted us to get with somebody. And here's what I wanted us to do. I want you to get with someone. I want them to share, just say, hey, this is one thing that I am going through. And, but here's how I want your prayer to be oriented. Instead of the typical, dear Lord, help them along the way, da-da-da-da-da-da, which is awesome, what I want to do is I want you to engage in another level of faith and start declaring the answer rather than hoping for it. This is why. Because there are people that need an answer to prayer, and everyone in here has something that you need an answer to prayer to. But you know what? God wants to make you a part of the process of the answer. You guys know that? Do you guys think that God wants to use His body? Like, do you believe that? There, there, is a, there is a teaching that's kind of come up, and, and thankfully the Lord is kind of doing His work on it, but it was, the, it, was the, it was the teaching on the sovereignty of God, or, or the sovereign will of God. And basically what this says is, whatever happens is God's will. Okay? Whatever happens, it's God's will. Okay? That, that actually, what that does is, is, so if somebody jumps off a building... Well, that must have been God's will. Or if someone gets cancer, uh, must have been God's will. Somebody dies in a car accident, must God must have been. If I lost, if if someone loses their job, it must have been God's will. Do you know what? There's, this is what I'm learning. There's a lot of people they lose their job, and it wasn't God's will for them to lose their job. It actually was God's will for you to submit under the authority they had for you, and actually, it was God's will that you become a Daniel and serve and, and be a Joseph and make and exalt another man's vision so your vision could be exalted. But because you didn't learn how to submit, you get fired. And then you say, well, God has something better for me. You know what? Maybe, maybe you needed to learn to repent and you were actually to be a Joseph to the, to the Pharaoh. I just like, I, I, I hate the cop-out all the time of... of Oh man, help me Lord. I just, I want the body of Christ to know how powerful you are. He did not disempower you. You are not weak. You are not a product of this world. You create this world. You create this environment. And if your faith is in the direction of fear, you will create an environment where the power of God is weak and not visible. Okay. I got to give you some scripture on this, okay? I haven't given you any scripture. Amen. We're going to pray for each other in just a little bit. Do you know, it's healthy when we come together and we don't know what's going to happen. You know that? You guys know that? How many, uh, how many uh, women do we have in here? How, mu- how, many, um, how many of you women would love for your man to take you on the same date for the rest of your life. I mean, you just, you fall in love with that concept. I, I just, take me to Cheddar's, let's both get the, you know, lemon, pepper, chicken, or whatever, chicken fingers, get the same dessert, same time, starts the same time, ends the same time. How many of you guys would like, you're like, you're like, no, I want mystery. You know, surprise me. Like, don't buy me flowers. Get me, put, you know, strawberry dipped chocolate on flowers and bring it to me. You know, you know, don't, don't give me that every, change it up. Don't get me, I'm getting fat. Stop giving me chocolate, you know, chocolate covered strawberries. Give me flowers. See, 
You got, you know, God is the same way. He doesn't like when we come together and we give him the same thing every time. Do you know what? You need to experience a difference in your relationship with the Lord. You actually need to change it up. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, change it up. Are you willing? Are you willing to step out in your romance with God in a way that you've never done before and see if it works or not? Like it's like it's not it's not love if you're scared. Perfect love casts out. So in so many times we're like, oh God, I, I wonder if is this wrong? Well, I don't know. Like that I don't know if that's love. Because like my daughter, I don't care what she does. I, I want her to know that she can come to me under any circumstance. She she made a card for Kim yesterday and she she takes the pen and she's like and it's it's prophetic. I don't know what it means, but it was it was just all over the place. And and so and then I was like and then like it's all torn up and I was like she was she was kissing it and so that's she's making out with your card. And she Kim puts it on Kim puts it on the fridge. Just pink scribbles on a piece of paper. And you know what? So many times we don't scribble because we're scared it's not going to make sense to the Father. And He wants us just to come as kids and just say, this is my heart and it's for you. Right here. I kissed it. It was all torn. It's torn up in pieces. But she's going to keep that. And that is a that demonstration and articulation of love. You see, you start worrying about love when you start learning what is right and what is wrong. And you start you start you start actually losing the picture of what love is when you learn what love is not. And so God is restoring that father relationship with you where he's like, look, I, I really want you to come boldly to the throne of grace. And it's like many times we think he wants us to come so he can kneel. Like it's it's our position to come kneel, but it's it's his desire to seat us. Does that make sense? Like he doesn't want like he loves that we're we're showing him honor, but then he goes, No, 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 okay, thank you, but let me let me put you in your right place. Right here, next to me, seated with Christ in heavenly places. See, if you can't think of yourself like that, you're like a fish trying to climb a tree, and you're wondering why it's not working. We were made in His image, and we were made in His likeness. We were made in His formation, and we were made with His mind. And so God says, or Paul says, and the New Testament, he says, we have the mind of Christ. You're like, I, I don't know what God's will is for you. Can I show you what God's will is? Y'all, turn in your Bibles to Matthew. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew. And it's Matthew chapter 6. You know, with that sovereignty message, oh, it's no matter what happens, it's God's will. What that does is it disconnects the body from the head. How many of you guys have your body just spasmatic do things that you know you're not trying to do like if it does that there's there's a disconnect between the spinal cord and your body that's what religion does it deforms the ability for the mind to operate and do what it knows it needs to do it just does things out of just because it does things like the signal's not sending it anymore but it keeps doing it and in being properly aligned that with the body of Christ, with the mind of Christ, where He is the head and we are the body, He is sending you signals. You know, you might do something in your relationship with the Lord that He's never asked you to do. And a kingdom of honor knows how to steward that and say, you know what, if you make a mistake, it's okay. We know that grace is going to restore you. That's good news, guys. I mean, come on, that is like, that, that kind of grace, that kind of love makes me want to come back. Like, that's family. That is family. Alright, so, we have in, in Matthew 6, 
Matthew 6, 10. Well, let's just go ahead and read. It's the Lord's Prayer. It says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right there, stop. How many guys know that this was the prayer that the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, when we pray, what shall we pray? And then he gave them this prayer, right? How many guys think Jesus would ever give you a prayer that he did not think the Father intended to answer? Okay, so it says right here, you guys want to know what God's will is? This is, all, this is so easy. Here we go. Verse 10. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it says, thy will be done. What's, what's the will? That thy kingdom come. You see, we're not trying to get to heaven. You know that. Like, if you're trying to get to heaven, you're on the wrong side of the cross. We're not going to heaven. We're coming from heaven, and we're bringing the kingdom that we came from with us. Now, when we die, yes, we're going there. But our mission is not to wait for something. Our mission is to pull something in our day. Our mission, that's what faith is. And the just shall live by faith. And so... Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. If you want to know God's will, bring his kingdom. What is his kingdom? Do you know? You'll know the will when you see the kingdom. You'll see the kingdom when you see the king. You know, there's a lot of people that they come and out of habit, they never see they, see, they might see a building, but they don't see the person of Jesus. You need to have a moment. In John 3, Jesus says to Nicodemus, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom. Do you know almost every single time in the Bible when the word kingdom is used, do you know it's not talking about heaven? Do you know, can I give you the definition of the word kingdom in the Bible? It says this. This is taken out of Strong's Concordance. Some of you guys like to study. But the word kingdom is translated in the Greek, basalia. And it means royal power, kingship, dominion, rule. And it says here, not to be confused with an actual kingdom, but rather the right or authority to rule over a kingdom. You see, God did not come so you can get a ticket to heaven. He, he came so you could bring the location to earth. Because when He created everything, He said, okay, Adam and Eve, make here. Be fruitful and multiply. He said, he said, overtake the earth and subdue it. Do you know it's our mission and call to bring the kingdom to the earth, to set people free, to give people hope, to heal the sick, to cause the lame to walk, the blind to see, the dead raised. If you want to see the kingdom, what did the king do? That is bringing the kingdom to this world. And so uh, I, I get so excited when I know that I'm just trying to introduce you to the man who is Jesus. Do you know what the word Christ means? The word Christ means anointed. It means anointed. Do you guys know that? Are, are you anointed? Are, is anyone in here anointed? Do you know you are saying that you are Christ? Do you know that's not blaspheme? That's actually accurate. You are Christ today. Jesus was the word Savior. Messiah is the word, or, or Christ is the word anointed. You see, when Paul says, Paul says this in, in, um, in Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I, but Christ, the anointed one, who lives in me. You are Christ today. You are anointed. You are powerful. 
You change the environment. The environment does not dictate what you do. You create the environment. You have authority. Let's, I, want you to, I want you to think like this. Matthew 6.10 I want you to let thy kingdom come. I want you to interchange the word royal power or rule. Thy royal power come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, let's, let's do a couple more verses. If you want to be great in God's royal power, be a servant of all. You see, God is not trying to make you great after you die among the saints. He's trying to bring the kingdom here. That's His will. Do not wait for the rapture. Do you know why Jesus told the Pharisees, he says, you hypocrites, you, you, um, he calls them a wicked and perverse generation that needs a sign. Do you know why they needed a sign? And you know why Jesus called them wicked and perverse? It's because they had, they were waiting for direction to go to a location that the location was standing right in front of them. The authority is right in front of you. You need a sign to point you somewhere that you're already at. You're perverse and you're wicked and you need a sign when you already have the answer standing in front of you. See, what that does, that doctrine says, I am powerless until God waves His hand and abracadabra happens and then all of a sudden, yay. Do you know what? God wants to teach you how to steward the authority He wants to give you. And He does not want you to be a part of the process of restoration. Because it's not an accident. You are on purpose. You have a dad who did not make an accident with you. Your birth in Christ was not your doing. That was His doing. You know, Reagan didn't say uh, a year and a half ago, I think I'm going to be born. That was my decision. See, being born again isn't, it, it, you, you make the confession, but you're just echoing what he already said. This is, this is awesome. Like, he, he wants us to echo what he is saying because it, it is our nature. I'm going to go a couple. God wants to give you a kingdom. He wants to give you authority that you will be able to steward, not just inherit. You know how many people try to, they look to their inheritance as their provision, but in the process, since they are, in app, since they are obeying the authority, they aren't being blessed. You know, your father determines your inheritance, but you determine your blessing. You see, me and Kim, right now we're working, we're saving, we're trying to create an inheritance for our daughter. Our daughter has nothing to do with her inheritance. It's the very fact she's my daughter, she gets what, I, what, I am, what I've worked for. But do you know her ability to continue and reproduce what I have given her is based on her ability to obey and capture my mind so it goes to the next generation. And if she doesn't learn obedience, she will not be blessed with what I give her. And my inheritance will go one generation. She will blow what I worked for and it will not be transferred. I, can I, can I give you guys a heads up? And this is not a scare thing. I just, I see, I see retirement fading out of our economy. And here's the reason. Retirement takes the vision off of God's, of God's picture of inheritance and retirement refocuses it on how you are going to spend the rest of your life 
not what you are going to store up for your children. It's actually counter the heart of God. And it actually, it's not working. I believe you are going to see a, well, we, already, we already know it's happening. And uh, please, please hear me, I'm not trying to like scare 401ks and things like that. You know, we have all those things. But the, it's like, I actually don't plan on retiring. Like, I don't see it in scripture. And I think there's a reason. Because, and again, I'm not trying to, this is just what I'm hearing, okay? This might not be what you're hearing. Just disclaimer, this is not the word of our, our sponsors, okay? This is, this is just what he's been telling me, okay? Is that, is that when I start focusing on what I want to do after I retire, I actually, you're like, well, don't you want to stop and relax? Well, you know what? He never relaxes. He, he never sleeps. He never stops. And I want my children to be able to catch what my intentions are, and that is my dad loved me and he's constantly storing up for me. It, it never becomes about him at any point. It's because it's a generational thing. He's the, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You, do you know why it didn't continue on to Joseph? Because Joseph had lost honor because animosity had grown between him and his father Jacob. And so, when we continue that generational honor, that's why this is so big, the blessing of the Lord falls. I'm almost done, okay? I'm going to give you some scriptures of how you are a part of the process of the kingdom being manifest, okay? You guys with me? You guys ready to go through some scriptures quick? You know, for the longest time, I, I actually thought I wanted a supernatural reality. I did. But I actually realized later on, I was, I was actually, what I was really wanting, what I was really after were supernatural experiences. You know, a lot of times we make monuments in our life, but you know really every day is the day the Lord has made? Do you know every day the glory and the miraculous and the supernatural is supposed to be getting better and better? You know, he saved the best wine for last. You know, you're going from faith to faith. You're going from glory to glory. God is not... God is not trying to set up, you know, oh yeah, when I was young, da-da-da-da-da, those are the glory days. Man, the glory days were supposed to get better and better and better and better. God isn't after just giving you experiences. He wants to give you a reality where this is you. This is, this is you. This is you. Jesus is not an experience. He's not. He's an embodiment. You know, Christ is, Christ is not an application. You don't apply Christ. Christ is an incarnation. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Christ is not something that you just... Man, I, I think I want to, I really want to do something for the Lord today. No, it's impossible for you not to do something for the Lord. Because it's not something you, you just sit there and wear like a coat. And then take off at the end of the day. You're always a new creation. You're not the old person. Like when God gives you, oh, I got, okay, time out. No, I got, let's, let's do John. Let's do John real quick. John 5, we're going to read, we're going to read, uh, or John, sorry, John chapter 6. You guys okay? John 6, verse 5 says, uh, Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But he said to test him, for he knew himself what he would do. I love I love that. You know, sometimes Jesus wants your opinion. And it's because he wants to see where your heart is. Is what he's doing, is what he's declaring, echoing in what you are to say. So let's see what happens here. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that everyone may have a little. 
One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the man sat down in, in number about 5,000. I, I love how John's detailed like that, that he's like, he, Oh yeah, and then he made him sit down in grass. I don't know, that's, that's just kind of goofy. Alright, then uh, verse 11, Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So that they, oh, so when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments so there was nothing lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by by those who had eaten. Now, I, I want you guys to see something here. This is just something that the Holy Spirit was, was talking to me about. When Jesus asks for food, he, he doesn't ask for what you don't have. He only asks for what you do have. You know... There's so many times he purposefully, he purposefully gives you little. He does. He does that. It's not mean. It, it's, it's so that you trust in him. I, I don't know who said that, you know, God will never take you through a circumstance that you can't handle. Well, yeah, he does. He does it all the time. Where is that in the Bible? God only took them through circumstances they could handle. What? That's, I'm sorry, I don't have that version. He constantly takes you things that you, that you can't handle because that makes you have to trust in Him. And do you know why He does that to you? The reason why He does that to you is so that you have to trust in your dad so when you have kids they will have to trust in you. And it's because honor goes backwards. He wants you to continue in life. He wants you to repeat. Guess what? Because that's, that's why is because he repeats. He wants you to repeat. He wants you to be sufficient on him because there is someone coming after you that is called to be looking towards you. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Amen? So, that was the first thing. Is The second thing is, Jesus asked the people to sit. I, I found this really interesting because I see this as a preparation or posturing the atmosphere for provision here. Jesus is getting the people ready. Now, remember, at this point, at this point, was the food multiplied? No. The food was not multiplied. He says, um, everybody sit down. Okay, let's sit down. What, that's how you ate. You know, we didn't have high chairs. They, they sat on pillows around the table. He postured everybody, get ready to receive. And I think a lot of times we want to see the food that God's going to give us before we tell the miracle, the person who's going to receive the miracle or the manifestation of the supernatural. We say, okay, let's, let's wait for it. And he's saying, no, 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 get everybody to sit down first. Get them ready. Get their faith moving. Because once they sit down, they knew, they're, then they're going to start looking for the food. You guys getting this? And, and who did he ask to make them sit down? The disciples. Did Jesus go and ask them? Did Jesus go and make the people sit down? No. He told his disciples, you be a part of the process. Okay? Then, third thing I got was that he blesses and he complains about the insufficiency of the five loaves and two fish. No, wait. That's not what happened. My bad. He blesses and he gives thanks for what they gave him. Do you know that thankfulness is the enemy of unbelief. It is the arch enemy. When you thank someone for what they have not yet done, 
you're posturing yourself to receive. See, Jesus postures the people, and then he postures himself. And then he said, he gives thanks. Was the food multiplied at this point? No. So he didn't give thanks. He, he gave thanks, and it had not yet been multiplied yet. Then, then what does he do? Then he hands it back to the disciples for them to distribute. And I'm almost done right here. They give it to the disciples, and then the disciples distribute. Do you know we are giving you food right now? Do you know you are getting loaves and fish as I speak? Right now the Holy Spirit is telling you what has been blessed and what is being handed to you. But unless... See, how many baskets were left over? Twelve. How many disciples are there? See, your abundance is in the leftovers of what you give. And there's so many times we wonder why we don't have anything. It's because you haven't sown into the people around you to have leftovers for your even your own abundance. Because God's not into waste. He's into abundance. And He gives it to the people. And then He says, okay, look, here's some bread. I need you to pass it around. Okay, and here's, here's another piece. And it says, as they went, it multiplied. That's faith. You see, he's constantly doing faith. I'm going to give you just a couple more examples. When Jesus turned the water into wine, he told, Mary said to him, he said, hey, they're out of wine. And he said, okay, what do you want me to do about it? You know what to do about it. You're doing it all the time at home. Shh. I'm just, I'm just, it said it was his first public miracle. Mary had to know something was going on at home. Jesus, stop multiplying your gummy snacks. Don't you multiply your broccoli. Uh -uh. He told, he, he, said, he said, Mom, it's, it's, it's not my time. You know, she totally ignores it and says, do whatever he says. Just do whatever he says. That's so faith like a mom, just to not, you know, it's like, there's some times when Jesus will say, it's, it's not my time. And he's like, just do whatever he says. It, it wasn't his time. He said so of himself. But she pulled in today, she pulled into her day, something that was made and meant for another day. Because God is testing to see where your faith is at. See, when you walk by someone that's in need of prayer, do you think, oh, they'll get it in glory? Or do you say, come on, let's do the kingdom now. I got the authority. Here's the application. He's the brain. He's telling me I'm the body. Let's do this. Here's another story. The ten lepers. He says, go see the priest. The Bible says, as they went, they were healed. He did not heal them first, and then they went. It says, as they are walked, as they were told what to do, as they're going, there's ten of them, and they're just starting to see it's leaving. It's leaving their bodies. And you know what? We have to be willing. Listen, the reason why, here's, oh man, Holy Spirit, the reason why you have a hard time telling people what to do is because you have a hard time receiving what to do. And if you want to see the miraculous, you better be able to listen. If you want to be the voice, you better have a voice that you're echoing. Because the centurion came to Jesus and said, I am a man under authority. And I know all you have to do is say the word. So when the voice of the Lord comes to you and says something, what, how do you respond? Because you're showing me the limitation of your breakthrough. Oh boy. Last one is when he told the lame man in John 5 to take up his bed and walk. He said, Lord, but there's so, there's so many people. He just said, get up, go home. You're healed. And the Bible says he got up and he left. You know what? Are you willing 
to, to speak. And I know if you're willing to speak, if you're willing to listen. The Bible says faith comes by hearing. Not having heard. God is speaking to something. God is speaking to you now. He's giving you a word. And He wants you to see if the piece that He breaks off is going to make a basket full. Because He gave you the authority to do it. It's up to you to partner with what He said. Because you were made in His image. He birthed you. But He wants you to be a part of the process. That's what a culture of honor does. Everyone gets exalted. Everyone. Everyone gets to eat. And guess what? There's leftovers. It's so good. Amen? Can we stand on our feet? And can we just do what we, um, we had said earlier? I, what I, I want us to turn. I want us to get with somebody. And, and maybe someone that you, you're not going to know the, their circumstance. And actually what I want to do is let me, let me explain it again. This is what I really saw the Holy Spirit doing. So we go, I saw somebody, people going to people and then saying, this is where I need a breakthrough. And then in your prayer, you're actually going to give. You're not going to speak, Lord, please multiply the fish. You're going to give them the answer.